Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming and sitting with, with me. And um, as uh, Hari Bhakti said, I've been here a few times now over the years of the Bhakti Shop's eternal existence, and uh, it's always a pleasure to come here. I'd like to ask a, a question. It's not characteristic of me, but uh, to do so at first. But I'd like to ask, um, there's a number of things we could talk about that come to mind, but um, I'd like to try to speak in such a way that uh, everyone will derive some benefit, some inspiration from that. And, and uh, some of you may have sat with me here uh, on other occasions, and some of you may have sat with me in other places on other occasions as well, and some of you may have uh, not sat with me at all. So I would like to know, and I might gauge a little bit, maybe how, maybe how I'll speak, how many of you have sat with me here or anywhere before? If you could raise your hand. Okay. And the rest of you haven't. Could you raise your hand, too? Thank you very much. Okay. Still, I think that those of you who have not um, are familiar with the idea of sitting with somebody, <laughs> with one another, sitting in a gathering like this, uh, we uh, refer to that as uh, sadhu-sangha, satsangha. Hmm? Sangha means for... Uh, association for sat, for that which is real. Hmm? That's a good thing to, to sit for and to walk for, for that matter, as well. So, all uh, right, well, let's see. Then, uh, I'll speak somewhat from Bhagavad Gita. Many of you may be familiar with Bhagavad Gita. And it, it happens to be a very special month in, the, uh, in our particular lineage and in the bhakti uh, tradition. This is a tradition of that's been called Uttam, Uttam Bhakti, Uttam Bhakti. It's a tradition in which uh, bhakti is, is engaged in for its own sake, not for mukti, not for getting free, for example, from whatever. <laughs> a lot of things we might like to be free from, but uh, bhakti for its own sake. There are our schools of, of bhakti engage in bhakti for might be an ulterior purpose, however good that purpose might, might be. Mukti is, uh, for many respects, uh, desirable. Uh, another word for mukti perhaps is enlightenment and um, freedom from samsara, from birth and death and so on. Does seem desirable. Um, as I say, some do bhakti for that. Some don't do bhakti for that. 
Hmm. But that happens anyway as a byproduct. So that is called uttam bhakti. Hmm. And, um, and so in such a lineage that is preoccupied with um, this idea of bhakti, I've just used one word to explain it. We could uh, further define it and explain it at, at greater length, and perhaps you know, we will to some extent in the course of our discussion. But at any rate, in a lineage that is preoccupied with uttam bhakti, in a lineage whose uh, uh, method to their uh, madness is, is, is bhakti and bhakti alone, this is a very special month. Hmm? In the Gita, in the 10th chapter of the Gita, Gita, of course, means song and Bhagavad means God. So Krishna spoke in the Gita to his friend Arjuna, warrior. And in the 10th chapter of the Gita, among other things, he speaks about things, I want to say, powerful manifestations of nature hmm? and uh, identifies himself with those things. As if to say, uh, for example, sometimes people encounter a, a very powerful, compelling manifestation of, of nature and they get some epiphany from that, like the world is big and I'm small and it's okay to be small and, uh, and uh, it's, there, there's more to life than what meets the eye and the mind and so forth. Um, that's always beautiful. Uh, some people, however, unfortunately think, oh, that's what the spiritual people are talking about. Then I've had that. Um, Why, well, you know, it's a nice thing, um, but there's more to life than that. <laughs> um, it is a nice thing, and it is, uh, I would say, um, uh, affords us some kind of opening, powerful, compelling manifestations of nature, um, standing on the mountaintop, you know, um, coming out of the jungle to the, the, the shore of the ocean, and, it's, and you're alone, and it's very powerful, and, uh, and so forth. So, some sense of, again, life is, is, is bigger than what meets the eye and the mind, comes to us and that we have something to do with that bigger part that uh, nature is big and there's even something maybe beyond nature there is, it's us really hmm? um, human life gives us some, some sense in general about that truth I like to think of human life as a, as a question hmm? uh, the question is why, or, well, why? In less complex forms of life, the question is, if it arises at all, a question, the question is how? How to get the things that I need? Hmm? The animal world, for example, is, is, is much preoccupied with how to eat and defend themselves, even while they're every particular animal species has a system built into it by nature to defend itself to some extent as much as we can hmm. um, what are the uh, uh, what to eat 
it's a, it's a question, but it's also answered. Mm-hmm. How to sleep, how to mate. But these questions are all answered by nature. You follow me? Hmm? The lion has a question, you know, how to eat or where to get something to eat. But nature answers. Hmm? There's not a debate whether they should be, you know, vegetarian or <laughs> carnivorous or omnivores or uh, so on and so forth. So there are questions as to how to survive or how to try to, how to, how to meet, um, rise to the struggle uh, for existence. And nature provides some answers for all species of life. And in all those, I want to say, less complex forms of life, the question, why, doesn't really arise. Why am I? Hmm? Why do I exist? Why do I suffer when I don't want to? Hmm? Why am I not happy? Why I can't do everything that I, I want to do? Hmm? Uh, birds fly high in the sky and fish go deep in the bottom of the ocean. Uh, fish don't think about flying high in the sky and birds don't think about going to the bottom of the ocean. But we think about doing both. Hmm? Why can't we do everything? Hmm? Uh, <clears throat> there's a reason for that from the point of view of the Gita, Vedanta. The reason is because in human life, what's coming to the fore is consciousness, which is there in all forms of life, which animates the world, if you will. Consciousness is that which, I want to say animates, it means it gives life to the world, uh, gives meaning. Value is derived, obviously, from from consciousness. We name things. We... uh, uh, attribute uh, value to them that in and of themselves um, they have no power to do things that is and of course we're not a thing then hmm. that's an interesting thing to think about <laughs> we're not a thing it's a huge uh, uh, issue we're not a thing but in another sense we very much function as if we are a thing. And what I mean by that is, in a higher sense, we're not a thing. We're consciousness. And it's a, let us say, a unit of experiential first-person reality. Hmm? At the same time, we have a lower identity that I'm a woman, a man, a mother, a daughter, an Oregonian, a Portlander, uh, an Indian, an American, as may be the case. Um, this is a what I would call a conventional, egoic sense of self. And this self is derived from our higher selves identifying with things. Portland is a thing, if, if you will. I guess it's a concept, too, but uh, it's a place. It's, uh, it's uh, 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 our body is a, is a thing. As I'm saying, it's constituted of, of what I would call the objective side of life. We have the subjective side, that experiential first-person um, reality, and then we have the objective side, matter, let's call it, and consciousness. 
And matter only matters because there's consciousness to matter about it. It wouldn't matter independently of consciousness. If it did, who would know about it? So somebody is mattering and something is matter. There's a difference, a slight difference. And at the same time, that which is which matters gives value uh, animates the world, has somehow identified with the world of things that are here today and gone tomorrow, hmm? as if they were our own. This is mine, my town, my house, my car, my likes, my dislikes, my goods, my bads, my happies, my sads, and a me that corresponds with that. Hmm? An I that corresponds with a my. You see the problem. Um, It's obvious. That I is derived from identification with things. It's almost a thing. It's a thing in as much as all things are here today and gone tomorrow, and it will be gone tomorrow too, if not the next day. It's an I that's based, formed on the basis of a sense of my, when in reality nothing belongs to any of us. So a reality that's derived from a false sense of proprietorship is as false as the false sense of proprietorship. And the struggle for existence in a broader, deeper sense hmm, than the Darwinian sense is the struggle to maintain an identity that cannot be maintained. It's a nice statement from the Bhagavat, the sequel to the Gita. Ayur Harati, by Pumsam, and no one is excluded from this. Pumsam means all living beings. Ayur Harati. Ayur means like life, like Ayurveda. Ayur Harati. Harati means to take away. Though the life of everyone is being taken away, Ujjanastan Chayanaso, with the rising and the setting of the sun. It's like, well, it's a beautiful thing, the rising and the setting of the sun, but the Rishis, they looked at it and saw a, a profound beauty, not just the beauty of the colors and the lights and, uh, and so forth, the reflections, and, but it's speaking to them. Nature was speaking to them. Hmm? about themselves and the self that could not be maintained. And who is it speaking to then when the sun rises and says, you're dying? Hmm? Your life as you know it, you cannot keep. Hmm? And you're struggling to keep that. Hmm? This is, of course, a poetic way of speaking. The sacred texts of India, they tend to speak about the objective world in a poetic way and about it with a view to shed light on the subjective side. Hmm? They don't speak about the objective world like we do in modern science to find out all the details of it and get inside the atom and, 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 and measure everything to bring it within the fist of, their, of our intellect and so forth. You might have heard the Sanskrit word maya, 
which means illusion. It also means to measure, hmm? to try to measure it, to bring it within your fist, hmm? to write and conquer it in this way. Hmm? Maya, it means that which is not also. It, 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 reality cannot be measured. Hmm? The attempt to do so, this is, a, this is problematic, as much as it may have brought to the surface some, uh, some, some things of use and value to us. Hmm? That's all right. But if in the process of doing so, hmm, greater things, ourself and our prospect, hmm, that lies independent of matter, if that is obscured, lost, dismissed, Hmm? as an old book of tales. Hmm? Just see, Swami, you quote a verse from your book, poetic it is, but it's not true. The sun doesn't really rise across the sky. The earth moves around like this. We say, no, it's true. You're dying. That's what it's saying. (laughs) It's not trying to examine the world in the way that you are. Hmm? to look at it in such a way that we might draw light from it about that which lights the world. That is you. Hmm? What animates the world, what gives meaning to it, as I say, it gives value to it. Hmm? In such a way that we may start to move away from, as I say, an identity that cannot be kept, cannot be maintained. Hmm? And, and end the struggle for existence by becoming... Um, not the meanest, but the kindest. Hmm? Not to be uh, a big uh, brute and thereby uh, survive, if you will, Hmm? but to go in the opposite way. Hmm? So this is, this is, very interesting because it's it's very different than the way we are oriented towards life. Um, you know, life is coming at us, and we have to struggle with it to to uh, to get enough money to pay for yoga classes or, or whatever. <laughs> On some level, it's there. Um, at the same time, uh, we have a sense that we shouldn't have to struggle at all. Hmm? So. We should struggle to realize that. Hmm? This is the idea. Struggle to realize how it is that we actually don't have to struggle. We don't struggle. Hmm? We're we're deceived by our identification with matter. Hmm? Uh, To we have perceived needs that aren't relative to our actual constitution Hmm? as a unit of being, knowing, and loving. We're busy trying to be, be pleasured. We're busy trying to be strong and secure. We're busy trying to be virtuous at the cost of knowing that you are virtuous. You are secure, and you are a unit of happiness itself. Satchit anandam. Hmm? So, what we're talking about is kind of wise, hmm? 
but we want to talk about it uh, in terms of bhakti, and so that means wise. Uh, I would say wise, wise love. It's it's wise to love, and and to be wise in one's love, it's important to uh, ascertain where I can repose my loving capacity and propensity hmm, that I w- will best be able to love. If love, for example, is about giving, there might be a place that if you gave there, hmm, the result would be greater. Let's say, for example, we sit together and we somebody comes and passes the hat and says, I'd like everybody to give a dollar here uh, to feed the hungry people in Portland. So everybody gives and it comes to the person next to you and says, I'm not going to give. Then why not? He says, because uh, he seems pretty mean at a, for a moment, but then he says, no, I'm going to give my dollar to uh, make sure the uh, Republicans don't get elected uh, because then there'll be more food for more people or something like that. Hmm. And so then it's suddenly taken to another level hmm, whereby one could give themselves their energy, their money, for example, hmm, and do, and I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, but I'm just using it as an example. I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, uh, where they could give and do more good hmm, on a higher level, so to speak. Hmm. And, and someone might go hungry that night in the process also. But that's the nature of the thing. Hmm? Hmm. But then you pass the hat again and someone says, I'm not going to give to the political cause because I see both the hungry, hunger, hunger of the people, the political oppression of the people, and so many other things as symptoms of a larger uh, disease. Ignorance of the self, the nature of the self. Hmm? Hmm? And no concerted effort or education to provide an answer as to the why. Why am I? Why I have to suffer? Hmm? Again, this is the question that human life is. And notice, this is a question that nature cannot answer. It's because it's, it's, <laughs> it's not about the natural world, the objective world. It's about you. Hmm? You are asking, why, why am I? Is there a is there a pur- higher purpose? I feel there's more to life than what meets the eye and the mind. Is there? We feel like this, and therefore we try to do more than what we can do with our eyes and minds, our senses. We try to fly high in the sky like the, like the bird and go to the bottom of the ocean like the fish. and do all, we, we do it in ways that are... Um, um, we could do it better. I want to say, <laughs> not by building a machine to go underwater or to, to go in the air, but to, but to realize that there's a difference between yourself and matter. Therefore, there are no conditions, material conditions, time and space, that have any bearing on your existence. There's no restriction to what, what, you, what, you, what you can uh, experience. The self, I mean, this self, this consciousness is coming to the fore in human life, which makes it a very special time to live in human life. It's coming to the fore, and it's asking about itself. Hmm? 
There is this combination of consciousness and matter that makes up the world. And in human life, the, the natural world, the objective world, starts to wake up to the fact that it has a soul, if you will. Hmm? We are that soul. Hmm? And so the soul is asking about it, is flexing itself. The, the consciousness is flexing itself. It starts to feel what its prospect is, what its possibilities are. Hmm? And it feels limitations within the human experience. Hmm? But properly understood, the human experience gives us the opportunity to pursue the more that we are, hmm? to ask the question why, and there's an answer to it. But that answer doesn't come from the natural world. It has to, it's a consciousness question. It's not a question of how to eat, how to sleep, how to mate, how to defend myself, which are all have to do with the objective side of life, um, a material form, hmm? one that's here today and gone tomorrow like the rest of them. It's not a question. It's a different cat category of question. Hmm? You can ask that question of nature. Nature has no answer. Hmm? Nature, in a broader sense, pushes us to where we, have, we could get an answer. There's negative impetus for spiritual life, and there's positive impetus. Nature as a whole can provide us a huge negative impetus for moving in the direction of our spiritual uh, prospect, hmm? frustrating us, in a, in a sense, at our every attempt to be more, the more that we are within the confines of time and space, hmm? where we cannot realize the more that we are. And that frustration, if you will, it, it serves as some sometimes some negative impetus. We've got plenty of it. Hmm? The nature is not a bad person. <laughs> She's very good. Hmm? But in a, she can't, and I want to say, directly answer the question. So pushes us in a direction where we can find answer. We have to go then to, uh, to a consciousness source, if you will. Hmm? That's what the sacred texts like Bhagavad Gita, that's what they're about. These are like revealed texts, if you will. Hmm? Just like you have the, you know, the Western idea of religious revelation in, in Europe, uh, uh, the biblical revelation in, in the Middle East, uh, you know, the Old Testament, the New Testament. There was Eastern revelation, too, this we're speaking from, the Gita. It's, it's a little older than the Old Testament. It's a, and it, it's an interesting one, too, because it's not about believing but about the nature of being. Hmm. Hmm. And it, it speaks to us about things that, we are, that are right before our eyes, right in front of our face, right? Like they are like the nose on our face that we cannot see hmm. at first. It speaks about the, then we see those things. Hmm. That gives us some faith, but this is not a blind faith. Hmm. Then it speaks about things that will take a little time to see and a different methodology to see and to know. Then the methodology which we are more readily predisposed to for knowing, for example, acquiring knowledge, putting it in my file, using it when it's convenient to further my cause. 
however pathetic our mentally conceived cause, however small-minded it is. It's a cause born in the mind. Hmm? Its mind is informed by sensual input, and it, it, it makes determinations. That's good, that's bad, that's happy, that's sad, and we live in this not-so-sovereign domain of the mind, and uh, we're at odds to one extent or another with others. Hmm? And it's not comfortable for us, but we want everybody else to live inside of it, too. Hmm? That's very unreasonable. Hmm? And so we acquire knowledge to, to further our egoic sense of self. To, uh, in other words, we have an agenda and we, get, we put knowledge on the agenda. Here we find a different methodology where the knowledge has an agenda and we're on it. It's a little bit... Um, different and a little bit, a little bit, um, <laughs> um, at first it may be a little foreboding or, <laughs> but it's, but if we listen carefully hmm, to such texts and, and, and sadhus and so we find there's affection behind, so much affection behind that. Hmm? You take Krishna. For example, I said the other night, people can be controlled physically. If I control you physically, I tie you up. You know I'm controlling you. Hmm? I lock you up in the closet, throw away the key. You will object to this, and you know you're being controlled. On a more subtle level, someone may control you mentally, and you may not really be able to perceive it. A friend may have to come and say, get out of there. He's terrible. Hmm? He, this, is, this is not good for you. Hmm? Get, out, get out of there. And so your friend pulls you out and you realize, well, you were being manipulated or whatever may be the case. Hmm? More subtle. Hmm? More, 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 it's like a white-collar crime. Hmm? Could be worse than a blue-collar crime. Something like that. Hmm? But then there's controlling, not by body, not by mind, but by heart. Hmm? That's not a problem. If I control you by my heart, that means I love you. And if I control you by my heart and I love you, you see, love is not a one-way thing. Hmm? That, means, that means you love me. No, you control me and I control you. Hmm? Love is uh, reciprocal dealings. It may be gauged or measured on a scale of the extent to which reciprocation, and how much I know you and you know me, how much your heart becomes my heart, how much we become one even though we're two. I take your desires and make them mine. You take my desires and make them yours. You don't have to be afraid of such a person. So when we control by love, then by affection, and what could be a more powerful force for that matter? Hmm? It's more powerful than being tied up or being mentally hypnotized or, or whatever may be the case. Krishna means the center hmm, of which we are the circumference. Controlling by affection, hmm, by affection, you see Krishna depicted in art, the vision of rishis, mystics, and so forth. He hasn't got 
so many arms, like some of the gods and goddesses, and weapons and uh, heads, uh, and uh, or like Shiva, just dressed in ashes, powerful. He can give up everything. That's powerful. Hmm? He doesn't need anything. Hmm? Krishna at times looks in need even. Hmm? Relative to the evening, relative to the month that I said, it was a special month for those of us in the bhakti tradition. Uh, in the Gita, Krishna says, of months I am Margashirsha. That is the next month. Hmm? This is in the chapter, the 10th chapter, where we're speaking about powerful manifestations of nature. Hmm? And says, of months I am this. Of bodies of water, I am the ocean. Of immovable things, I am the Himalayas. Of power, of big trees, I am the redfoot, a redwood, something like that. Uh, in California, uh, maybe Oregon too. Hmm? Uh, it's you know it can extend beyond the text. Hmm? He's identifying powerful manifestations of nature that give us some epiphany. Hmm? There's, there's more in life. Life is big and it's okay to be small and something like that. That is not the be-all and end-all of spiritual experience. As I said, some people, they say, oh, I've had that. Hmm? Well, I, don't need, I know what they get when they meditate. It's like standing on top of a mountain and you feel like oh, an aha moment or something like that. It's something like that and more, <laughs> much more. Hmm? Those are moments that nature can provide for us. Hmm? as a manifestation of divinity to push us in, in a certain direction, hmm? to humble us, hmm? and then to pursue that moment. Hmm? Systematically, and with the whole of your energy, that is what we call sadhana. That is spiritual practice. That kind of sadhana, that will bring samadhi, and that is more than an epiphany of standing on a mountain and seeing a, 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 the beauty of profundity of nature. Hmm? That will be to see yourself. Hmm? And in the context of bhakti samadhi, the prospect that the self has for loving, because it brings, that kind of sadhana brings into view not only the self that endures, that is not confined by time and space, that is not biological, hmm? it's not reducible to matter, not only that self, which is a, which is a unit of ananda, hmm? But a significant consciousness other. Not an other in the world of, 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 of things. Hmm? But an, an other in the world of consciousness. Like the sun to its rays, something like that. The rays are the sun and they're not the sun. It's one thing to have the rays of the sun in the room. You might say, the sun is in the room. Go, go there to get some sun. But at the same time, the sun is not, not in the room. Otherwise, you couldn't go there. Hmm? Right? So, in bhakti, we have a metaphysic of love, not just knowledge. Knowledge may retire the illusion of identifying with matter and becoming almost a thing. Hmm. Uh, and, and the best things in life are not things. They're us. Hmm. 
We're not things, as I said. Uh, so knowledge may retire the, the, our pursuit of enduring life and enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure and have no happiness inherently in them. This has no happiness in it inherently. But if I think it's mine, it might provide me some happiness. Why? Because I'm in it now. I've gone there. I've identified with the thing. Now the thing has happiness. Why? Because I'm in it. I'm happy by nature. But when I identify with things, I lose sight of myself, what I am. I think the thing makes me happy. I keep projecting myself into other things and acquiring, trying to acquire them and get rid of them. Also, when they don't, when they don't work anymore. So, so, knowledge means, in the true sense of the term, not to pursue non-enduring asat things that are nirananda. Hmm? They have inherently no joy, no, no, no cognizance. They're asat, achit, nirananda. Hmm? If you want sat if you want to exist, if you, want, if you feel you are real, and you have every reason to believe that you are, you have no experience of not uh, experiencing. Hmm? People say you, you came into being at a certain time, but you have no You have experience that you are a unit of experience. Hmm? You're a first person, first-hand experience uh, 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 can may not be confirmed by everybody else, but we don't wait for that to get up in the morning. Hmm? We have experienced that we exist, and we don't wait for it to be conf- And it's a unique experience. You exist in a particular way that only you experience. Hmm? We cannot verify that, but it doesn't stop you from getting up in the morning <laughs> and doing things. Don't wait for everything to be verified. Some things are not things. Therefore, they're not subject to be to be verified in the way that things are. In, the, in other words, in the, with regard to the objective world, we can measure to some extent. Hmm? We can make third, what do they call it? Third, like third party, you know, scientific verification of the thing, that it's true. Hmm? It's real. What's really real is you can only measure so far. Hmm? Really, you can only measure your experience of measuring hmm? the world and not the world. Hmm? And you cannot measure that which measures. Can a ruler measure itself? Hmm? We cannot measure ourselves. We are the measurer. So, knowledge means all these things. You see, th- this kind of knowing, hmm? it causes detachment, moving away from things and not moving at all. And it, 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 it fosters an experience of self that is satisfying, realizing I'm not a thing, I don't need things, and so on and so forth. But in bhakti, then, another prospect comes before us. Bhakti does not constitute merely removing ignorance. Ignorance means attachment. Mm-hmm. Attachment means I think things are mine. That's not true. Hmm? 
Bhakti does, does remove that ignorance, but that's not its preoccupation. Bhakti means love, really. Hmm? Bhakti is preoccupied with, with ananda, the ananda aspect of the self, joy. Hmm? Bhakti uh, gives us an understanding that the joy of the self is unlimited but limited. Hmm? It's unlimited and it's not, it's not like the joy that comes from things that will turn into unhappiness, which will turn into sorrow when, when they're no longer ours or when they break or when they, 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 they disintegrate, when they die. Hmm? Yeah. The self, the swasukham, the, the, the ananda of the self, it's not like that. We can say, therefore, it's unlimited. But then, when we go to the subjective world, that side, then there is perfection, there's perfect, there's more perfect, there's most perfect. Hmm? These are ideas that don't quite fit from our material experience. Hmm? But uh, there is bliss that's greater than other bliss, and both of them are unlimited, something like that. I'll just give you an example of what I mean here. You can derive happiness from yourself, but that is objectless. There's no object to repose your love in. If I'm a taker, okay, you are, in terms of our identification with our egoic self, it needs things, there are perceived needs, and we're out to, to get them. Hmm? We take from the environment, and the environment takes back. That's the karmic, you know, quagmire, quicksand. Hmm? You follow me? We're all taking. We're all, as much as we're identifying with this egoic self that cannot be, cannot be, cannot, will not endure ultimately, hmm? then we have to take to meet its needs. And so we, we take, and so we, we, we owe. This is basically the karma. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Mm-hmm. So, if I move away from that taking, and in a systematic way, methodological way, as we call yoga, sadhana, spiritual practice, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I, I come to be acquainted with myself, mm-hmm as a unit of satchit ananda i stop taking and i can be happy in myself i don't take hmm? so there's some joy in not taking and there's some joy in knowing that you exist you have nothing if you knew the extent to which you existed you would never have any fear hmm? we don't know that's why we have fear or anxiety hmm? Fear pervades the whole of material existence. It's more powerful than the, than the sexual urge, even. Huh? Hmm. You can overcome that entirely just by knowing the self. So you could love to exist like that. Hmm? So some people love to exist in a real way, in an enduring way. But in bhakti, we don't love to exist. It's not a bad thing. But we exist to love. There's a difference. Hmm? That means there's more to ananda. If ananda, if we translate ananda as joy, 
then I want to also translate it as love. Hmm? Because love is our joy, really. Giving is the getting. Hmm? So if we have been taking and we stop taking, there's some joy in that. There's some ananda in that. Hmm? There's some love in that. Hmm? If you could give and not just stop taking, then there would be, you would know something more about what is ananda. Hmm? But for that, as I say, who will you give to? We've been giving ourselves to things which really constitutes taking. It looks like we're giving ourselves to things, but actually we're taking. Hmm? So we stopped that. We came to knowledge. We're full of ananda. Hmm? But now we've done away with all these differences. The differences that you think it's hot, I think it's cold. Hmm? You think you're a Calif- from Cal- Oregon, I think I'm from California. That's all done away with now. Hmm? So the, who's there? There's, just, there's, just, there's kind of just a one there. Because hmm? all these differences, they're arising from misperceptions. We're all consciousness. Kind of this one idea like one soul. Hmm? Pulsating. But in bhakti, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a little bit of a different metaphysical idea there. There is a significant consciousness other to repose our loving capacity in. Hmm? This is the idea, for example, of Krishna. Hmm? There is the ray of the sun. There is the sun. They're different, and they're one. And the difference is worth worth noting. By focusing on the difference, you can transcend the duality of material existence and enter into a a, a I want don't want to say a duality, but a dynamic unity. It's not a dynamic unity to do away with everyone else. It might be peaceful. <laughs> But, uh, but a dynamic unity is more like the harmony we might find of music. Rather than one note, many notes, all playing together, something like that. So this idea of bhakti, it's, it, becomes a, a, it becomes from material existence, which is like going up the escalator, hmm? going nowhere. It looks like working hard, going nowhere. Hmm? Borrowing money from the bank, You've got so much money, but you owe many times more. Hmm? This is material existence. Stop To stop that movement is one thing. But is there any way to move hmm? that's productive? Hmm? That is called lila. You see, on the one side we have lila, the other side we have karma. They're both movement. In between we have shanti, peace, quiet, hmm? Rest. Hmm? But in bhakti, we are interested in moving away from karma in the context of pursuing lila. Hmm? You become peaceful and more blissful in the full sense of the term. You, you enter into a realm of loving reciprocation with the absolute, where you and I become, well, not you and I, but the two become one, like we, something like that. So in, in Leela, there's, a, there's, a, there's an identification with Bhagawan, with the Godhead. Hmm? 
kind of a oneness in, in, in desire. And then the Godhead plays out many desires through, the, through each of us and reciprocal dealing. So, hmm, something about bhakti. And when the Gita says, Krishna says, oh, of months I am this it's the next month. He's speaking about different aspects of nature by which he could be identified. Why he says that month, that, that's another thing. In the bhakti school, we understand that when Krishna says, I am the next month, the month before that, that must be Radha's month. Hmm? Now we introduce another person. <laughs> There's us. We've introduced Krishna. Now we're introducing Radha. But we've been speaking about her all the time. Hmm? She is bhakti. Hmm? She is bhakti. That means that bhakti is not something that's, that's inherent in ourself. Hmm? Hmm? We all have some capacity to give and whatnot. But bhakti is a, is a particular shakti. I want to say there's maya shakti, the magic of the world where it looks like there's something there, but there's nothing. Hmm? There's a carrot, and there's no, there's no full meal. It's only appetizers. So I can only get indigestion from that. Hmm? And that you is getting the indigestion. So there's the maya shakti, and there's you. That we call jeev shakti. Hmm? Shakti means well, like, like, a, like energy. There may be energetic, and then there's energy. When we speak of Krishna, for example, the God, we speak of the energetic and is endowed with energies by which uh, wonderful things happen. Hmm? You know, there's a, there's a dilemma in science that modern science, philosophy of mind also, let's say, if, uh, uh, neuroscience and philosophy of mind, so science and philosophy... If consciousness is different from matter and it's causal, hmm, then how can something different from matter interact? If, they're not, if, they're, if it's different, how, how can it interact? And of course, we can't measure it. Of course, we've already talked about it being immeasurable. But from a bhakti perspective, these two things, as much as I've talked about them as being different, matter and consciousness, in another sense, they're the same. They're two shaktis of Bhagwan. Hmm? Two shaktis of Bhagwan, so you, it's, you have to change the, the framework. Then, oh, how two shaktis can interact hmm? in a, it, to, to, to make the world go round, so to speak. If you study that issue, then it, this problem uh, uh, goes away. Hmm? So, we've talked about two, maya shakti, the jeev shakti. The combination of these two is the world. Hmm? And then there's something called bhakti. We can say bhakti shakti. It's called antaranga shakti. Maya is bahiranga. Bahir means outside. Hmm? The outside. Then there's the inside. Hmm? Shakti governing the objective world. And shakti governing the subjective world. And where are we? Where are we? We're subjective. We're a unit of experience. And we're called... In another term, tata. 
Tatasta Shakti. Tata means beach. We are lying on the beach that demarks water from sand. Can you put your finger there? Will it be wet or dry? We are, we are somewhere. Uh, we could exist on both sides. Hmm? But because we are of the nature of consciousness, we will exist better on the, on the other side, in the water, than on the land, so to speak. Hmm? So a wave of bhakti comes and changes the line. Hmm? And take some jivas within the ocean of rasam, anandam. Hmm? Changes the line. On the, now the line is here. And so many jivas have gone there hmm, to the other side. This wave comes from sadhu sangha through a, through a lineage hmm, that's, that, that has some record. Hmm? Some track record, some kick, some capacity, some history of of of, of real spiritual uh, power hmm? uh, of love. Hmm? That wave comes, hmm? engulfs us and in, 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 takes us into the subjective world. That bhakti hmm? is the is the medium hmm? by which. Ourself, the unit of consciousness, and if we use the term, the idea, Krishna, the source of consciousness, they may unite. Hmm? But the unifying point is up here. Here's us, and here is Krishna. And the point is here, worshipable, venerable by both. Hmm? Therefore, we find Krishna is always bowing to Radha, which makes yogis turn uh, over in their asans. Hmm? <laughs> Um, in yoga marg, hmm, Ashtanga Yoga, then Ishwar is very prominent. You may know from Yoga Sutra. Ishwar Pranidhan is really what's recommended there. It's a dualistic system given. There is the Atma and there is the Paramatma. The, Paramat the Atma doesn't become the Paramatma in, in Yoga Sutra. Hmm? It becomes like the Paramatma, omniscient, all-knowing, hmm? <laughs> But it doesn't become the Ishwar. Hmm? It attains a kind of a beatific vision of the Ishwar, and the qualities of the Ishwar come within the within the Atma to some extent. Bhakti marg a little different from the yoga marg. Hmm? In yoga marg, there is Ishwar, hmm? and Ishwar is venerable. Therefore, Ishwar pranidhan. Pranidhan means really bhakti. Do bhakti to Ishwar. This will control your mind very quickly. Hmm? This is taught in the Yoga Sutra. For those of you who have studied, you're familiar. So. Like we find in many religious disciplines, God, Ishwar is a word for God. It means controller, omniscient, uh, is the center, is the worshipable object. But in bhakti, we are interested in the worshipable object of the Ishwar. That is a very different idea. So when the yogi becomes, hears these kind of things, I said, it, I said it kind of turns over in his asan. He, uh, it's like, 
because Krishna is often uh, would be one of the figures that are that are viewed as a particular manifestation of, uh, of Ishwar. Hmm? But when we see this Ishwar is on tilt, what does that mean? If God's on, God checks out <laughs> and He's controlling everything, that's a problem. Hmm? It's hard to follow me. Omniscience may be an interesting idea. And you may think, yes, if I know everything, then I'll have no problems. Hmm? True. But another way to look at it is, that could be boring. <laughs> to know everything, that could be boring. Hmm? And Krishna means so omniscient. Hmm? So all-knowing is that center that it becomes bored with the knowing and starts to play. That's what you do when you get bored. You play. Hmm? Better called Leela. Hmm? And you've seen some depictions, maybe in art or in poetry, in drama, of the, of the Leela of Krishna, herding the cows. And think, this means Brahman, Ishwar, the absolute playing. But he plays so good and so hard hmm? that he is more the player than the omniscient God. Hmm? And, and what, is the, what is behind that play? Hmm? Hmm? That is bhakti. Bhakti is what is making Brahman, Ishwar, move. Brahman is everywhere. How can it move? If you're everywhere, where can you go? You're already there. But we find that Krishna represents Brahman moving. Hmm? That's very odd. Hmm? How can Brahman be everywhere and move? That is the power of bhakti. Hmm? Bhakti, love, it means, has such power. In love, one's faults become ornaments. Hmm? All problems are solved in love. Hmm? It has the ability to resolve all, all contradictions. Hmm? So this bhakti is a very powerful shakti. It's not like kundalini shakti. Nothing like that. That, that that is like a like a like a firefly compared to the sun at noon. Hmm? You see, <laughs> this bhakti hmm, as a shakti. Hmm, not only does it have the power to dissipate the darkness of the of the shadow, the covering of the maya shakti on ourselves, hmm, that ignorance to dissipate that. It has the power to make Brahman dance, who was everywhere, move, and, 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 and subordinate Ishwar to itself. Love has su such power. It's a particular shakti of Bhagawan that Bhagawan himself becomes under, control, under the control of. Hmm? As I said, if the god is ultimately a lover, then he's also going to be controlled. Hmm? Because if I love you, then you love me. <laughs> so I'm also under... It's a beautiful kind of comforting control. So this bhakti is a very powerful shakti. It is what is the force behind the lila. In the Gita, it is mentioned, Mahatmanastu Mamparta Daivim Prakriti Mashritaha. Krishna speaks about different kinds of sadhus, and he said, there's another one. They call them mahatmas, maha-atma. They have big souls. 
means they're givers. The more you give, the more the soul, the atma expands in a sense. Hmm? The more it takes, the more it contracts. It doesn't really grow bigger or smaller, but the more you give, the more your identification of what you are expands. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? The more selfish you are, the more you're a taker, the more your sense of self becomes small and undesirable, hmm? unbecoming. Hmm? So, bhakti, uh, love, hmm? about giving. Hmm? This bhakti, particular shakti of Bhagawan, it, when it descends in the world through a succession, this chanting, for example, is a form of bhakti. Hmm? This Hare Krishna mantra, so it was very central to bhakti. Very central to bhakti because Bhakti is very powerfully represented in this Hare Krishna mantra. We have three names. Hare, Krishna, Ram. Hare, Krishna, then Hare, and then Krishna. Hmm? Hare, Krishna, Hare, Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare, Hare. <laughs> Hare, Ram, Hare, Ram, 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 Hare, Hare. Hmm? In one sense... There are two names. These are all in the vocative case. In Sanskrit, the vocative case. So, Krishna means Krishna. Ram means Krishna. Ram means lover. Hmm? Uh, Ramanti. It, it really speaks about uh, romantic love. We know that Krishna's... The depiction of Krishna is a depiction of the romantic life of the Absolute the heart of the Absolute. It's not the, the Buddha, but the wisdom. I mean, that's in there too, but it, it, he's playful. Hmm? Um, and to have to play, you have to have some power, a lot of power, a lot of money in the bank. You need to take a big vacation. Hmm? Who's only playing? All-powerful hmm? is the idea. So Ram and Krishna, these are both names of the same person. Hmm? And Hare is the vocative for Hara. It means Radha. So Radha is in between on both sides. Hare, 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 Hare Krishna, Hare Rama. This is a mantra that speaks about the interplay between Krishna and Ram, and Ram meaning the same person, and Hare, Bhakti. And Hare means, as I say, Radha. This is her month. This is called Kartik. Kartik month. So in our lineage, in this month, all of the devotees in Bhakti Marg, hmm, special mantras, they, they, for example, that, uh, if they've been given those, to chant Bhakti herself, Radha herself. This, what I'm called, I want to call it primal Shakti of the Absolute that, that, that makes the Ishwar uh, look like not an Ishwar. Hmm? Bhakti, as I said, has not only the power to dispel maya, the ignorance of illusion, but to bewilder the ultimate knower, hmm? the omniscient Godhead. It's a kind of divine um, ignorance. It's a good thing. Why? Because 
when Bhagavan becomes bewildered by bhakti, by love, overwhelmed by love, then he comes into a position that he's readily accessible to us. Hmm? Has a necessity. People say, why, why do you give something to God? He doesn't need anything. Keep it for yourself. Hmm? Feed the poor people. What does God need? Hmm? In Bhakti tradition, God needs something. Hmm? Needs something. Radha has stolen his heart. Hmm? What will you give him? Give him your heart. Hmm? This is Bhakti. When the Godhead becomes bewildered about his omniscience, then there's the possibility for there to be a, a intimacy with the absolute. Follow me. I won't go too much longer here. If the absolute, the infinite, let us say, comes before us, we, we, we would feel very finite hmm, in, in, a, in the face of that I'm God. You might go, and you believe me, you might go, oh my God, and move back a little bit. Hmm? So if there is to be intimacy, and love is, again, as I said, to be valued or graded on a scale of intimacy or reciprocal dealings, how close do you want to get to God, hmm? to the absolute, to the center? Hmm? Is being the center close? That's not, that's not a good idea. You're not the center. That's pretty obvious. Hmm? But to get close... How you'll get close? By asking the center, by taking... You can say to the center, let's call it the center, give me give me things. Okay, and stay on the circumference, for God's sake. Is that what you want? Things? Okay, take them. Hmm? If you get a little smarter, you say, give me... give me eternity, not things. Things are here today and gone tomorrow. Well, that's a little smarter... But what does that have to do? The sinner says, both. what does that have to do with me? I'm also eternal. I'm not a thing. Okay. We're on the same page there. But in both instances, the center is, is something else. It's what you want. You want things or you want eternal life? Hmm? How much does that turn the center on? <laughs> not that much. Hmm? Yeah. This center is like the sun. Let's use the example, the sun. We think, okay, the sun is a metaphor for God. We depend upon the sun in so many ways. Right? Because of the sun, we have vegetation. We have a peaceful mind on a sunny day, an enlivened mind. Hmm? Feel energy to do something. Uh, you know, from the, from the sun comes water. And as I say, rain and vegetation, food. And, and so in so many ways, we're dependent on the sun. Hmm? So the sun is sometimes used as a metaphor for God. But well, this whole metaphor is is interesting, but it's limited. It's all a depicting of the God in terms of providing for us and things, <laughs> which aren't, as I say, the best things in life. So it's a very distant idea of the center. And if we say, well, I identify with the center, I'm a ray, like that. Uh, that's good. But in bhakti, what we're talking about is there are nuclear explosions going on in the sun. And they go, oh, don't tell me about that. That's, we hope that doesn't... But bhakti means we want to enter into the sun and find out what those nuclear explosions are. What's going on there? What is the life of the center? 
Hmm? Is it a static thing? Or is it a dynamic thing? Hmm? It's exploding with emotions. Though we, call them, we call them avatar. Hmm? This emotion. And an eternal moment. And it's, it, it filters into the, in, in, into, the, into the time and space. And it's written down in the book. And there's a story about that. Hmm? And then somebody says, well, that's some old story. Hmm? No, but from the bhakti perspective, that's, that's the nuclear explosion in the life of the sun. Hmm? And I've got a sun-like body. I can go there now. Hmm? I'm not identified with this body made of things, but with myself. And I've had an infusion from that side of bhakti. Hmm? I have a, if you know yourself, you've got a passport. Passport means, theoretically, you can leave the world. But that doesn't mean you have a visa. You can go anywhere. Hmm? You want to go in the, in the embrace of Krishna, that requires a visa. That comes from that side. Hmm? Bhakti gives that visa. Hmm? Radha is, the, is Bhakti Prasanna. She is Bhakti Devi. Hmm? She is making, she is bewildering Bhagwan. Hmm? That bewildering makes it possible for us to have intimacy with Bhagwan. That divine ignorance, if you will, of the Absolute makes it possible for us to get close to God. Hmm? If the infinite takes on a finite-like appearance, then the finite can get close without being repelled back by the knowledge of the infinite's infiniteness. Hmm? So there's a possibility to enter... <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> ...into intimacy with the Absolute. Hmm? But in order for that to happen, the Absolute has to take on an appearance kind of like ours. Therefore, we find in Leela... We find these people, they're cows, they're milkmaidens, cowherds, people, so in this divine play and so forth. It's a very esoteric idea. Hmm? Hmm? It's a setting in which bhakti, love, predominates, and therefore we sing in this month, Jai Radhe. Vrindabhaneshwari, hmm? Jai Radhe, Jai Radhe. We celebrate the power of bhakti to kind of wrap Krishna around her finger, so to speak, and afford by... She is a deity for us, Radha, an ideal of devotion at the same time. She embodies the devotion that, uh, that we, we can pursue and thereby have the same type of uh, intimate, uh, I want to say, connection with our... Source. This is a very complex theological idea, but it's her month, so I thought I'd say something about it. <laughs> Are there any questions? Yes. I talked about that last night for about an hour or so. It was recorded. Hmm? You can hear it. Um, it's a big topic, but we explained in brief the nature of... He's talking about the idea that if the... If the let's, say the let's say your guru leaves the world, 
right? I mean, everybody's got to go for one reason or another, either by the force of karma or by the force of bhakti. Hmm? So as the guru leaves the world, then uh, oftentimes the phrase is used, guru disappeared rather than died. Hmm? Rather, in other words, he was by another force. Hmm? He came into, or she came into our life, and by another force disappeared from our life. Hmm? But we talked about how the disappearance and the appearance are one. Hmm? This is only possible when the object of our affection is spiritual. Materially speaking, it is said that, that, that uh, what is it? Yeah, absence makes, is it absence? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Hmm? It grows fonder, but it, will, but it will be a suffering condition unless you actually have a union again. Hmm? And so the only way that suffering, if you will, or uh, uh, absence, um, distance, uh, absence, makes the heart grow fonder is if it turns into, if separation turns into union. Hmm? But in, in spiritual life, it's different. Hmm? You see, the object of one's um, preoccupation hmm, is, is not material. Therefore, if I'm absorbed, for example, in, the, in, my, in thoughts of my guru, hmm? then the guru being a spiritual object, that kind of absorption will be blissful inherently, even if I'm absorbed in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in the loss, if you will, of his or her, uh, uh, as a result of his or her absence in my life. Hmm? So it will, on the outside, it will have all the symptoms of suffering and sorrow. Hmm? But if it's actually... Spiritual. Now, you could lament for the disappearance of your guru in a material way also. Hmm? There's, uh, it's, it's, it's very easy to, um, I don't want to say, have all the spiritual trappings and be a bigger materialist than, than one that has uh, none of them and is overtly materialistic. Hmm? Um, so it's, it's possible to be absorbed, for example, in, in the guru for one's own purposes, whether they be psychological, mental, emotional, physical, uh, and, and so forth. Real connection is with, with a serving attitude, with love, with, with giving, and so forth. So, therefore, if he or she just chooses to go, then, hmm, and I want to serve that person, I love that person, then... What is the problem? It's a problem, but it's not a problem because that pleases them more. So hmm? uh, that's what I'm existing for. If you want to, if you want to serve, then you have no problems. All problems are just bigger opportunities to serve. Hmm? In bhakti, we don't try to avoid problems or find uh, uh, everything's not based on getting something something good happening. It doesn't really matter. Hmm? The object is to serve. <laughs> so it's really, these are not issues. And these are the issues of life. We want bad things. We don't want to suffer. And we want to, we want to be happy. Hmm? So there's... Bhaya visha jalahoi bitarayanamnamoi Krishna prema adbhuta charita. Adbhuta charita. Adbhut means wonderful. 
Charit means character. Prem means love. The wonderful character of love, real love, spiritual love, wise love, is that on the outside it looks very disconcerting. Hmm? But on the inside, anandamoy. It is full of ananda. Hmm? Therefore we find Chaitanya, for example, Sri Chaitanya, founder of Arasampradaya. He, his crying, weeping, falling on the ground, chanting Krishna Nam. Where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? Hmm? And somebody, some people will go, that's what you want to be like? <laughs> he doesn't look very happy. Hmm? Something like that. That, that is an appearance. Hmm? Inside it is full of ananda. And material life is just the opposite. Outside it looks good, but inside it's rotten to the core. Hmm? It's unhappy from beginning to end because it constitutes material attachment. And as the Gita says, what? Hmm? Yona. Yoni means womb. Hmm? Material attachment is the womb from which suffering is born. <laughs> We're thinking, if I could just get that thing, I've got it. It's mine. It's making me happy. It's making you suffer. Just wait. Hmm? And if you don't think so, you say, well, well, I like it. So, well, you can't keep it. Then what? Now how bad is it? <laughs> so on the outside, it looks, oh, good. But inside, it's very, it's full of suffering. And spiritual life is not so easy to, to see with the naked eye. And so, really the disappearance of the guru, properly understood, turns into the appearance. How is that appearance? That which is the guru appears within, within the disciple. Hmm? All of that guru is represented and thereby tried to, tried to teach by example to the student with great patience hmm? and, and compassion and so forth. Hmm? The, perf- the, the, the perfection of the disciple hmm? is that the disappearance, disconcerting for a moment, becomes a moment of opportunity. Hmm? To, could, to now go, the, go a distance that it didn't appear necessarily that I had to go in his or her presence because they were making everything good and warm and fuzzy and, and it was easy. Hmm? But the teaching is that, that we are not here to make disciples but to make gurus. That is what we're here for. Hmm? So then the, the, then the guru appears in you. You become a guru. That is to understand the disappearance of the guru. Hmm. Disappearance means appearance. Hmm. What else? Any other? Qu- that's a heavy one. Other question? <laughs> yes. She's asking, one of my students, Ragatmika, thank you for asking. She's asking that there's a statement sometimes that is uh, invoked. It said, first deserve, then desire. So it's a, it's a little complex, but what it means is that there are higher ideals. Hmm? Like, for example, to enter into this lila, hmm? this is to, to attain prem, hmm? to, to push Krishna over. And say, so who do you think you are? Hmm? This is a, fo- a very high form of love. It is called sakya, for example. Hmm? Sometimes they serve him, sometimes he serves them, like friends. 
they know no difference between their body and Krishna's body. Therefore, they may put their foot on Krishna's body, rest their foot there from, from running in the pasture. My feet are tired. I'll rest them on you. We don't think of putting our feet on, on the altar, <laughs> on God, something like that. <laughs> but such intimacy, such identification hmm, is possible in what we call sakya. Such ident- it's called pranai. Hmm? It's like, let's say, to give an example, let's say we're walking down the street, you and I, and, and we love one another. Hmm? So we're, you know, we're walking down, we're rubbing up against one another, and, so, and then some other person coming the other way, and they touch you, and you go, huh? wait, wait. And they go, huh. excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me. Hmm? But your other person you're touching, bumping, and, and, and you never say that. So there's identification that has been forged by love. Hmm? Where you, know, you see that person's body is the extension of your own. Hmm? So it's possible to identify with, with the absolute, with Bhagawan in this way. This is called sakya. Hmm? It, means, it means friendship. In friendship, friendship is, is for equals. Friendship will be, will be shared to the extent that the two parties are equal. Hmm? So equality with, with God. It's kind of, but it's, it's a kind of service. Hmm? It's a kind of love. Mm. Madhurya, this is another force, if you will. That is, that is like romantic love, like the handmaidens in Krishna's Leela. Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya. These are the forces, not gravity, uh, electromagnetism, strong and weak nuclear force. We're not so concerned with this, but Sakya, Dasya, Vatsalya, Madhurya. And you are all concerned with these things. It means parental love, friendly love, romantic love. The way you may love a teacher who gives you knowledge in servitude. This is what makes the world go round. Hmm? Now, the problem with that is that we are all pursuing those things, those forces, and experiencing them to some extent in relation to objects that are imperfect in terms of receiving because they're here today and gone tomorrow, for example. Hmm? Now, the, when the object becomes the absolute, that's what the form of Krishna, this face of the Godhead, facilitates. That you may have dasya, sakya, vatsalya hmm? in relation to something that's not here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? If this brings you into some intimacy with the absolute, where he, he, the absolute, whatever, has to take a shape hmm? like a son, like a friend, like a lover. Hmm? This is very extraordinary. So very, this is a very high idea. To get there, if you come into the mall and you want to go to room 108, you have to look on the map. You know, they have a thing and it says, room 108 is here. What else does it say? And you are here. Hmm? So both things have to be known. In bhakti, we know, oh, we want praying. Hmm? Love. Mukti is a small thing, but that comes in, in the context of pursuing prem without thinking about it. Hmm? Hmm? We want prem, and, but we are here. We are not even a mukta. Hmm? How audacious. And we want prem. Hmm? So you have to know where you are and where to go. That where to go is the orbit, so to speak, around which our sadhana moves. Hmm? But it also moves in terms of where we are. 
with a focus on where to place the next step in relation to going there. Hmm? And so, in the stage of sadhana, in bhakti there are three phases. Bhakti in practice, bhakti in ecstasy, bhakti in, in love of God. Sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti, prema bhakti. Hmm? Sadhana bhakti means, I saw someone in, bhava, in, in bhakti in ecstasy. I'm attracted to that. I listened to them. It was compelling. I, I, I want to be like that. I, I want to follow that. I, 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 I'll do it too. Something like that. Hmm? And I get something from it, you know. It sounds good. I, feel, I, I know it's something. And then I learn some philosophy about it, and I get a better idea of what it is and how to pursue it and so forth. This is bhakti in practice. And in bhakti in practice, sometimes there will be ecstasy too. It will come and it will go. It will come in a kirtan. And you will know I'm going there and I'm never coming back. Hmm? I'm going there. I'm going home. And I have a home-knowing man or woman to take me there. For home-going, a home-knowing person. That is essential. Hmm? And then my foreign surroundings come to surround me again. My karma. Oh. Hmm? Do sadhana. Hmm? Then it will come for a day. Then it will come for a week. Hmm? Then it will come when you are asleep. Hmm? Hmm? And waking and sleeping and waking. Hmm? It will become steady, nishta, fixed. Hmm? Then, it will, then, 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 then the medicine. It is medicine. You have to chant now. Hmm? You should... You shouldn't do this. You should do this. This will be good for your bhakti. That will be bad for your bhakti. Hmm? Make your determination. This is your morality. Is it good for my bhakti? I'll do it. Is it bad for bhakti? I won't do it. That is our morality. Hmm? Problem solved. Hmm? So big moral issues, quandary, is problem solved. <laughs> hmm? It's medicine. At a certain stage in this practice, it becomes the practice becomes steady, then the medicine turns into food. We call it ruchi. The, the, the taste that is inherent in the practice comes out. Hmm? It means the disease of our attachment is, is, is passing. Hmm? And the taste that is inherent, for example, in the name, hmm, is coming. Now it's like medicine. Not, excuse me, now it's like food. Hmm? It becomes like food. So you don't think, I should eat today. Maybe I should eat. Oh, I have to eat today. Yes, I need to sit and eat. We don't think like that. We may think, I need to sit and practice. I must do that. And I heard from Swami, and he reminded me of that. And now I'm going to do it better tomorrow even, and so forth. Hmm? It's some kind of medicine. And sometimes it tastes good too. Hmm? And it tastes good to know you're doing the right thing. Hmm? That's also good. It's very comforting, solace to know. I'm nowhere, but I'm on that path to going everywhere. That's the only place worth going. I'm on it, and I'm not getting off. Hmm? I'm not getting off. I'm hanging on somehow. Hmm? And I'm not letting go. This is a good life. Hmm? Don't, <laughs> that kind of thinking, that will, bring, that will turn the medicine into food. Now you don't think, I need to practice. You don't think, I need, you're automatically practicing. When it's not time for practicing, you're practicing. Hmm? 
in, it, 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 internally. Hmm? And you may see them. It's going. Hmm? Something like that. Huh? They're being chanted. They're not chanting anymore. Uh, they're being chanted. Hmm? The tongue is, is Krishna dancing on the tongue. Hmm? Something like that. Then from taste, hmm? when it becomes the, 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 the medicine becomes food, then it, then, then it starts to become the dessert only. <laughs> Not just the nourishing, some rice, some chapatis, some, some good vegetables, curries, but sweets. <laughs> All, uh, and, it, 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 and, and one becomes attached Hmm? Not to things now, but to that significant other. Hmm? And then, in a particular way, and then suddenly something with inside comes out. Something comes out. Uh, an, inner, an inner emotional, spiritual form to participate in the Leela. And one enters into bhakti in ecstasy. Hmm? Bhakti proper. Bhav bhakti. Then one churns that bhava. Hmm? A special kind of practice internally. Hmm? And it turns into Prem. Hmm? Bhav is a ray of the sun of Prem. When that ray comes, you know, sun is coming very soon now. Hmm? This is very comforting. Hmm? So, according to where one is at, hmm? let's say one is in the stage of sadhana, beginning, and the practice is medicine, not food. Hmm? Then there are things that you should focus on. Hmm? You think, I want to play with Krishna. Whatever. And you think, it's a good desire, but you should do so, put some things in place that will make that happen. Hmm? Hmm? You should stop playing and be serious about life. Hmm? And the fact that you are going to die. Hmm? And as many breaths as you, you, you inhale and exhale that constitutes sadhana, is as much as you've stopped dying forever. You've ended dying. You've ended hunger. As much as those intake, ingoing and outgoing breaths are for sadhana, and you're living for this, for spiritual practice, as much as you're bringing an end to dying and the killing that, that this world is about, because we have to take to live. Hmm? We have to kill to live. That's not a good life. Hmm? You should kill the self that's a taker, that's a killer. Hmm? That's what this breathing the sadhana is about. So if you want to play with Krishna, you have to stop playing. Hmm? You become very serious about practice. Hmm? You have to develop shraddha, sharanagati, these kind of things. So there are things that practically you need to put in place. You have to think, that will not help me for my bhakti. So that I won't do. We don't do renunciation. We do bhakti. In the context of bhakti, if something's not a favor for bhakti, then we give it up. We're not giving anything up. We're doing bhakti. Do you understand? We don't give up anything. In fact, we take things if they're good for bhakti. Hmm? If they will help me in my bhakti, I will, I will take it. Hmm? If it will not help me, I will renounce it. So we're not doing taking and renouncing. We're doing bhakti. Hmm? This idea. And so appropriately, according to where one's at, hmm, one should... Before one desires, if you want to desire, I want to go there. Hmm? That's fine, but you have to be practical. 
what it will take to go there. Like I could talk about that ideal and it will be very poetic and you will like it. But then if I talk about how to go there, you'll think, oh, we have something else to do. <laughs> very nice. It's, now it's time to go. <laughs> you know, the, the thorns that go with the rose bush, something like that. So, some, so first deserve means desire, yes, but desire that in a way that it will actually come about hmm? by focusing on the things that you need to do now. Hmm? And then we'll say, oh, yes, you deserve to have that desire. You're actually doing the things that, you know, if you say, I want to go to India. I want to go to India. And people go, great, that's a great idea. I've been there. It's a great place. You should go, yeah. The guy comes the next day, I want to go to India. And I really want to go. After a while, you go, well, well do something about it, you know. Are you, you know, you've got to get a job. It costs money to go to India. You've got to buy a ticket. Hmm? No, I just want to go to India. <laughs> you see, that means your desire is without deserving. It, it's really not t- time to voice that. Now, you've said that. Okay, good. It's good you said that. We like that desire. Now, deserve it. So get some money, get a ticket, get a visa, get on the plane, and that kind of thing. You follow? All right. Um, Long answer. Forgive me. So, what time is it now? No time like the present. Okay. Well, it's been very nice to talk with you. We have ten minutes. Okay, if you like. Good. Yeah, well, in bhakti it's very easy because you, if you see that, um, um, you know, in yoga you can't have friends. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> it's true. Especially intimate friends. That's why the, one of those niyamas is is, uh, is brahmacharya. You can translate it however fancy way you want to translate it, but it means celibacy. <laughs> So that's a lot. So that doesn't afford the, the, uh, all of the that intimacy constitutes. At any rate, but in bhakti, and I, uh, I just make that as a side point. But in bhakti, there's a very nice idea, and and that is that um, that and it's an interesting point that's raised in a book about bhakti called Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the Ocean of Bhakti Rasa. Mm, rasa means like like Prem, Ananda. It, 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 it's, it describes different types of um, loving relationships with Krishna that are there in the Leela, for example. And so Krishna is the center of all of these different types of love. And all these devotees from different perspectives are loving Krishna. They're all centered. Then the question comes, well, what about they're all loving Krishna? How do they feel towards one another? Right, this is kind of what, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so oh, that's a special thing. That is called Suridrati, sur, uh, 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 Suridrati, love of the friend. 
Well, there's a nice dissertation on that, how that, how that different ways in that which may, may work. But in general, the idea is that that the, the the devotee, and I'll speak from the bhakti perspective, if you if you allow me to answer your question, uh, that we love the other devotee or my partner, uh, the uh, uh, who's in a way that that love helps to foster love for Krishna. Hmm? It's called a sanchari. It means, just like, let's say I have a dominant, um, loving relationship with, 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 with you as a friend. Hmm? You're my friend. We're friends. Okay? Now, in the context of that, there may be other emotional experiences that we have. Like you tell a joke and I just fall off the chair, laughing and laughing and laughing. That's called hasya. Hmm? Uh, comedic uh, humor uh, sentiment. That doesn't... That augments my friendship. Friendship is the dominant relationship. It, has, it, it overpowers all others, but it's augmented sometimes by others at the same time. So the love for the other, the other devotee, in this case your wife, your other practitioner, hmm, should be such that it augments, f- serves to foster hmm, uh, love for the, for the center, something like that. That kind of attachment, that's useful even. Hmm? That's not the kind of... A, you see, that, that's your uh, attachment means, in a negative sense, I'm attached to a thing to own it for myself. If I'm attached to something that helps me understand that I'm not the owner hmm? and, and reveals the proprietor, the actual proprietor, then that, that attachment is valuable. So in bhakti there may be attachment, but not in a, inappropriate attachment. Hmm? So as much as you and your partner help one another in practice, hmm? that would be, that, that is a, uh, uh, then, uh, such Attraction for one another, attachment for one will not be harmful. Hmm? It will not hinder you. Now in Ganmark, that's also there. In Yogamark, Ganmark, you can't have any friends like that. <laughs> it's all about renunciation. But in Bhakti Marg, it's very friendly. Hmm? So, something to consider. Does that help? Yeah. You have to think about it. If someone or something helps me in my spiritual practice, how can attachment to that be wrong? How can that be, that be the kind of attachment that's... that's, that's um, that's, that's detrimental, it's talked about. It's of a different nature. Hmm? So, anyway, we're out of time. And you've been very patient to listen to a long talk and very technical in some respects. And, uh, of course, there's people who've sat with me before. They're more familiar with some of the discourse and terms and so forth. And too high for some, too low for others. Too broad for some, too narrow, narrow for others. But I hope everybody... Uh, got something from it. I certainly did, sitting with all of you and, and, and feeling your interest and um, feeling your doubts and questions. Um, I didn't feel too many of those, so it, wasn't, it was good. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope to meet you all again. Hare Krishna.